did you forget we're going on tour? Because we did it. <laughs> we are. It's the truth. Tickets are on sale and some of our cities still have tickets. Come see us in New Orleans on June 8th. And in St. Louis on June 10th. And then in Pittsburgh. Nope, we're sold out. Sorry. But then you can come visit us in San Francisco on June 18th. Which apparently is Father's Day. And I'm just saying it's called Father's Day and our show is at night. <laughs> and then we end our tour in Phoenix on June 19th. Oh, bring me that hot, dry sunshine. I love it. Visit us at ithinknotpod.com for tickets. And listen, we always wait after the show to kiss everybody, take a picture, and say hello. So make sure you stay. And you can get a hug from Joey's orangutan arms. Well, the sun is out in New York City, and so are the crazies. Always, yeah. No, but like there's something about the heat that draws everybody out who's just been like sort of, you know, festering their crazy in the winter. And now they're like, I'm going to put on a tank top, some roller skates, and take this crazy on Ninth Avenue. Set the nipples free! <laughs> <laughs> to I Think Not. The sun is shining outside, but Joey Taranto and I are here in this booth, because where else would we be? But you know what? We love it. Hi, Joey. You know I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love a dead gay son. You look adorable. Oh, thank you. It must be the sunshine. Well, welcome to I Think Not, the show where Joey Taranto and I just bounce compliments back and forth, and we also recap your favorite true crime TV show, episode by episode. Yes, and we And this do. month, we're doing... Deadly Wise. Yeah, this is our last episode of Deadly Wise. This is our last month. episode of Deadly Wise, but you can give me another compliment. Well, you look like Rainbow Bright meets Hell's Kitchen gay bars. Well, the sun just came out yesterday, right? Yeah. Does that mean you're going to be nicer? Yeah, always. Okay. What did you do yesterday in the sunshine? Well, wait a minute. Nick and I had lunch yesterday at the meatball shop. It was I'm glad you ate lunch. Oh, thank you. Okay. It was gorgeous out. We saw our friend Alan, who sat at the table right behind us outside on 9th Avenue. And all of a sudden, I hear the man behind me go, excuse me. And I thought he was talking to me, but he was talking to me. It's never good when a stranger starts talking to you in New York. What happened? Talks to Alan and goes, hey, can I ask you a question? Would you be offended if I went down on my date who's sitting across from me? A woman. And Alan goes, come on, what? And he goes, this is our second date. And I just was wondering, like, literally, this man asked a question. And Alan goes, yeah, I would probably be uncomfortable. Does that help? And I said to Nick, I said, we got to get out of New York We got to get out. We got to get out. This doesn't happen in El Paso. No, it really... (laughs) I mean, on one hand, you have to appreciate the manners. Yeah. I'm grateful for the manners. He checked. But also, why are you doing that? Also, if that man had been like, can I talk to you? I'd be like, nope, you're not taking me in this clown car. I'm not getting roped into your tomfoolery. And for those of you who don't know, my friend Alan, we were in Pretty Woman on Broadway together. When you think of Joey and I... Go the opposite way, <laughs> and that's our friend Alan. He's very quiet, very calm, very conservative in the way he, you know, talks and acts. Yeah, and, yeah, not and, politically. Oh, God, could you imagine? <laughs> Actually, our friend Alan, a lot of our down bitches, for those of you who follow me on social media— Alan is actually my friend whose apartment burned down recently. Yeah. A lot of our down bitches came together. It was amazing. And raised so much money for him. He, thank God, was randomly out at brunch on a Sunday morning. Yep. Thank God. Yeah. But that is our friend Alan. But yeah, yeah I, I could see that question not going well for yeah, Alan. I was like, leave him alone. He's been through enough. <laughs> The man's house exploded. <laughs> well, if you'd like 
more stories of the shit that we do in New York and how we deal with questions of oral sex, please join us on the Patreon. That is where we have all of our bonus content. And we just went through a shit ton of a really great show called Southern Fried Homicide. You also get access to our back catalog, which is nonsense and tomfoolery will probably make you dumber in your life, but you'll have a good time. Yeah, listen, you know, some people like us. Yeah. Some people enjoy our stories and our singing and our nonsense. And they're like, you know what? I want a little more. And I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Hey. Not Misty. Misty created a whole Instagram profile. Y'all, Misty456 is on the Instagram trolling us. And it is so freaking funny. It is so rich. I mean, between Misty456 and Bobby Lynn Sprite, I don't know. I, I can't. A parody account is some of the best humor. I love it. Never stop. Listen, imitation is the best form of flattery. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's get to the episode. Until Roseanne Barr is playing you in the Lifetime Television for Women, Ellen wronged. (laughs) We are here with Deadly Wives, Season 1, Episode 4, Acid Lady. I don't like this title. We've all heard the saying, you can't judge a book by its cover. Take this blonde, middle-aged, well-educated woman. She looks like any other soccer mom. I hate your f***ing guts so bad I can't even stand you. Well, not so much. Yes, it's difficult to ever really know someone completely. Do you ever feel like you wasted your life? I've seen some pretty ugly things, but this is just horrific. This is something out of a movie. This is Deadly Wives. Did you sing the song, though? Acid Queen? Yeah. I know. For a second, and then I was like, acid lady. I don't like the sound of that. I know. It's two different kinds of acids. But if you do love the Who's Tommy, you do love this song. Do you know who played that in the movie? Tina Turner. Yeah, baby. My queen. Yeah. July 10th, 2003. Clovis, California, a picture-perfect slice of suburbia. Nestled between Central California's richest farmland and the spectacular Sierra Nevada mountains. Here we are in July of 2003 in Clovis, California, which is really just Fresno. (laughs) Yeah, we're in, in my home state where every town has a farmer's market and you can't afford to live where you grew up. Yeah. I could not afford to live in my childhood home. That is wild. I know. It is so weird. And they're like, fuck you, we're California. Do you want to live here or not? Yeah, I can't afford to live in New York City. Yeah. Who do I talk to about that? I don't know. <laughs> someone, I don't know, someone who pays us. But, you know, it is funny with Deadly Wives because every time I pull it up, I have this vision of Candace DeLong showing up to cover it. Oh, right. And then she's like, oh, no, this woman was married. It's the Deadly Wives. <laughs> you have to do the wives version. Yes, yeah, sorry. I do Deadly Women. Yeah. This one is the married one. And then she, like, gets in her black car and she's really mad. Yeah. Remember Candace DeLong? She looked amazing. She looked great. Yeah. Well, we start out our story with Bob and Mary Solis, who are supposed to have lunch with their good friend Tim Schuster. But Tim is late. Tim yeah. is very late. You know what the only thing worse than being late to like a lunch or a dinner? When you have sex with someone and it's really unsatisfying, but then you have to have some kind of banter and small talk before you leave and you're trying to think of a way to get out of it and you're a people pleaser and you just keep talking. 
Steve, is that BetterHelp promo code still active? We need to... Is that, was there another thing? No, yes. Okay. There was. I'm sorry. We'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the only thing worse is when you get to a party and everyone's shit-faced and you have to catch up to them. Yeah. You have to entertain these drunk people. You're like, no, Margaret, I don't want to see your Kathy Lee Gifford impersonation. It's not very good and it's not very funny. <laughs> and then you have to chug a bunch of tequila sodas to catch up with everyone and you start thinking about the time... Your Aunt Barbara called your boyfriend your friend, and you're like, you know what? That was actually offensive, and I'm going to call her and tell her. So you do, and you tell her, that was not very nice of you. And also, nobody puts raisins in potato salad, and you're offending the Cajun community as well as the family. What? Okay. So anyway, Fresno. Back to Fresno. We're not, any, we're not <laughs> even in Fresno. It's the kind of place where old friends like to get together for lunch, like Bob and Mary Solis were planning to do with their friend Tim Schuster. But Tim was late. Tim Schuster is late. He was very late. And they say that he's never late. Now, this is something I'm going to add this to the list. I have not officially added this to the list. Uh-oh. You can't be a free spirit. Yeah. Do not light up a room. And everyone who dies is punctual. Yeah. Haven't we been hearing that a lot lately? They were never late. Well, I will say the one thing I loved about Bob was Bob was like, let me tell y'all something. Because, you know, everyone's like, they were just so great. But Bob was like, he was a pain in the ass because he was so punctual. Drove me nuts. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. But a lot of people who die are punctual. I know. So I'm going to say, I'm going to add well, this to fine. the list. That's rich coming from you. You were just late today. (laughs) So they try calling Tim and no answer. I say listen to your gut. If your gut tells you something is wrong, be the crazy person. Be the person that your friends talk about over brunch. They're like, I mean, I don't know why the other day Bob was like overreacting, freaking out because he couldn't get in touch with us. I will be that friend for you. I promise you I will be that friend for you. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. And so Bob was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to call Tim's best friend, Vic. And he said, Vic. Something's wrong. He didn't show up to lunch. He didn't show up to a very important meeting this morning. You should go over to his house and check on him. And Vic does. Yeah. And he lets himself in. Now, this reenactment actor at the beginning who's peering into the window, was that a different reenactment actor than the one that was in the house in the interior? I didn't notice. My God, you are really. I, it just it looked like a different guy. So I feel like they missed a pickup. Oh. And then like the director's dad came by set and they're like, Dad. Dad, can you be reenactment Vic real quick? All I need you to do is look in the window because we skipped a section. That's not the same guy. I didn't clock that, but you know what? I believe you because you are thorough. I, you are like, I, I detailed was, oriented. You know, but I want the story. I don't know. Shall we call Hulu? Listen, I haven't made a call in a while. I don't see why not. Also, if you go to check on someone, don't start with the windows. It just never will end up well because if the neighbor looks out and they're like, there is a stranger peering into Tim's windows, don't start with the windows. Yeah. Then something caught Vic's eye. In the sink, there were unwashed dishes from dinner the night before. Tim Schuster was a neat freak. And again, they're all like, that is very uncharacteristic of Tim. He was a neat freak. And so now Vic is going room by room in search of Tim. And nothing looked out of order. Yeah. But once Vic got to the bedroom, he did notice that his cell phone, his wallet, and his watch were there. And he was like, okay, that's odd. And then we learned that Tim has been going through a little bit of a hard time in his life. Yeah, Tim had recently been laid off from his job at the cardiology department at the local hospital. They were downsizing. And that meeting that he missed that morning, well, that was about his severance Mm -hmm. package. And 
no one's going to miss that. Yeah. And also his personal life, in particular, his love life was very rocky. Yeah. And now we get the backstory of Tim and Larissa. They both are from Missouri, which they say is in America's heartland. And I don't know what that is. Do you know what America's heartland is? It's it's the middle of America. Well, it includes Alabama, Arkansas, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Tennessee, which begs the question, those are just a lot of states. Yeah, I don't like, understand. But you know who will tell us? Who? Uh, some teacher will DM us and yeah. explain it, and I'll appreciate it. Yeah, I just because I do know that Missouri has other mottos. Because, like, the Missouri motto is, Missouri, we were the 24th state to join the union because if everyone else is doing it, we are too. <laughs> Just like the cranberries. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know why they didn't use that one. Or like, you know, Missouri, we have a Kansas City too. (laughs) There's there's a bunch of I wish I could throw out a Missouri slogan, but I don't know much about Missouri. Well, no, I know them. Yeah. No, the other one is Missouri, our postal code is M-O, and that's confusing, right? But (laughs) M-S and M-I were taken. You snooze, you lose. So it's that one again is for a flag. You yeah. need more room. Yeah. Anyway, I, you know you learn something every day. I teach you things every day. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we're in the heartland. They met in college, where Tim was working on a nursing degree, and Larissa was a graduate student in biochemistry. They say that opposites attract, and right away Tim and Larissa seemed to fit together like two perfect puzzle pieces. She was a go-getter, bubbly and ambitious. He was shy, sensitive and loyal. We get their origin story. They were married for 20 years, met in college. Tim studied nursing. Larissa was a grad student studying biochemistry, and the two hit it off very quickly, but they were absolute opposites. Larissa was very outgoing, big personality, and Tim was very, very shy and very introverted. And sensitive. Very sensitive. But they got married. 1982, and they started a family, and in 1989, they moved west to California for Larissa's job, and that is when she opened her own lab in Clovis, and she was a success. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she took off. She was making money. She opened this lab that turned into a multi-million dollar business. I mean, she was working around the clock, and Tim also found a job, but like Larissa's was skyrocketing. So Tim focused his energy on being a great dad. And no one had anything bad to say about Tim. Yeah. And we hear from Leslie, who was an employee of Larissa's, who we're later going to learn is a down bitch. But she said that Larissa was a great person to work for. She loved her work. She was dedicated to her work. And she worked a lot. And also, Michael Elder is here, who is the former deputy. And he's like, everybody loved Tim. You know who didn't love Tim? Larissa. Larissa, yeah. This is Larissa. Call me at the house, Wow. Yeah, that whole clip is wild. Yeah, they were going through a divorce, and it got ugly. But it turns out that over the years, Larissa had become very verbally abusive toward Tim. Like, really mean, and no one knew why. No one knew what that turn was. But Tim wanted to keep the peace, so he would let her get away with talking to him any kind of way. And it only made it worse because it gave her permission to be really cruel. I mean, listen to this. I hate your f***ing guts so bad I can't even stand it. 
stand you. I hope you burn in hell. Yeah, the crazy thing is, is that no one on the outside knew that that was happening. Yeah. And they slept in different rooms, which is fine. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Larissa kicked him out. And again, he hated confrontation. So when she was out of town, he moved all of his stuff out. And she lost it. Yeah. Larissa's a control freak. Yeah. And I guess he took some things and Larissa was very upset about it. And Larissa is not afraid to share her thoughts. You know what? Those mixing bowls are mine. So I, I expect to find all four of those returned. And if you don't, I'm going to call the cops and I'm going to come and get it. Do you hear me, you That's right. She used the F slur. Over mixing bowls. Babe, I'm pretty sure that the home goods off the one nine has plenty of mixing bowls. Well, we know it wasn't about the mixing yeah, bowls. Yeah, of course. I mean, they had the mixing bowls. Well, it only gets worse from the Were mixing they bowls. Ray done mixing bowls. I have no idea. Monogrammed. Well, I have no something. idea. The divorce lawyers get involved, and the assets. Listen, it's it's California community property law. Same in New Jersey. Oh, is it? Yeah. Trust and believe that divorce sucks, but there is always one person that makes more or has more, and that is split down the middle. And and I, I do know this. Oh, God. It well, is split down the middle. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who bought it. You're splitting it. Doesn't matter who saved up for it. Doesn't matter who paid the bills. You're you're splitting it. That fucking sucks. Yeah. Well, we're talking, this is what Larissa and Tim were dealing with. They shared a 3,500 square foot home. There was a large retirement fund, a fun money savings account. What is that? Just like a savings account for for fun stuff. There was $120,000 in there. Yeah. That's a lot of money. But then there's also Larissa's lab. And I mean, her home away from home, it was worth millions. So yeah, Larissa was not happy. Well, the idea of Tim getting half of her business and half of everything that she felt she worked for really sent her spinning. I mean, I can understand that. I can empathize with anyone who works very hard and has to lose half of their things to another person. Yeah. And then she wanted to keep the kids. Kids are not leverage. Jim Carrey told us that. Did he? Yeah, in Liar Liar. Oh, I never saw Liar Liar. I know. It's so good. So now that we have the history, we're back at July 10th, 2003, right? We're back with Vic. He calls the cops. And then we learn the next day, Officer John Willow went to the house. The next day? Yeah. Did you all have a potluck or something? Were you, like, you sure were casual about getting over there. Well, it's probably one of those things where it's like, in order to be declared a missing person, you have to be missing for 24 hours. Yeah, Vic was like, is anyone else worried? Did I mention the dishes in the sink? Well, that officer let himself in, and there was no signs of foul play. Everything seemed to be fine. But the officer does find an open briefcase on a sofa near the front door, and next to it was an empty gun holster. Yikes. Then they find the gun right underneath the cushion of that sofa. It's very odd. Well, they call it suspicious. Yeah. I was like, we can ramp that up to alarming. Yes. I feel like that's alarming. I agree. (laughs) And with that, the Clovis Police Department gets a search warrant and Tim is declared a missing person. Yeah. So inside the briefcase was a tape recorder. And Tim was no dummy. He had been taping all of Larissa's unhinged messages. I will tell you one thing. If that ever happens again, you're dead. Who the Betty Broderick of it all. But, honey, keep those 
Bill's receipts. And then it gets worse. Yeah. You So immediately the cops are like, wow, she seems like she would be great at a children's birthday party. <laughs> we should call her in for the next police officer's picnic. <laughs> the kids would love her. Yeah. Do you make balloon animals? If she makes balloon animals, it's a yes. Yeah. Do you have any experience with uh, bake sales? Our <laughs> church could really use you. She sounds lovely. Yeah, no, the cops were like, we should bring this woman in for questioning. <laughs> yeah. So Tim's phone was left behind, and they check his phone, and his last call received was at Wednesday morning at 2 a.m., and that was from Larissa. Yep. Now we see her interview, and she is Peggy Perky. She sure is. She is is great. She's got her little coiffed hair, her little yellow polo, and she was like, well, you know, we have a little bit of difficulty communicating. I was like, you actually you... don't seem like you have any difficulty. Not at all. I would say you are very articulate in your feelings, Larissa. <laughs> you let them all out. Yeah. Uh, when Madonna was begging us all to express ourselves, she wasn't talking to you. No. <laughs> she was like, you're you're just fine, Larissa. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. You, could, you, could, you could tone it down a notch, yeah. actually. Yeah. So she goes into like a song and a dance and a monologue and she's telling stories and she's giving recipes. Explaining she's, what passive aggressive is. Yeah, she's telling things that don't even matter. She's telling the time she made a Easter wreath out of some egg cartons. <laughs> Who knows what the fuck she's talking about? When we're interviewing somebody that's potentially not telling us the whole truth, they won't wait for questions and answers. They'll instead immediately throw out what they want you to hear. She is yep. just creating a narrative. Well, I also, in this moment, I was like, oh, you're a very controlling person yeah. and you are definitely trying to captain this narrative. It was actually really fascinating. And she keeps rambling. She tells him she's a good Christian because let me tell you, calling your husband a spineless is, it's a lost commandment. Yeah, it really Thou is. Thou shalt call your husband a spineless Because remember, Moses had the 15. Oh, commandments, right. and then he dropped the one. Yeah. Have you God. ever seen History of the World? No. I have these 15 commandments, and then he drops one, and he goes, 10, 10 <laughs> commandments. <laughs> You've never seen History of the World? No, but I need to watch that. Oh, I'm sure, I have not seen it since I was a kid. I'm sure it's deeply problematic now. Oh, I can't okay. remember. But she was like, yeah, I was a Christian. I sang in the choir. And they're like, you sang in the choir? Yeah. What's your favorite song? Eagle's Wings? Same. She's <laughs> She sang in the choir, you guys. Yeah. Could you give us a little rendition of How Great Thou Art? Just go ahead. Yeah, because now that we know you didn't do it, because you're yeah. a Christian who sings yeah. in the choir, let's have some fun. Yeah. You know what? I hear there's a sale on Live, Laugh, Love Signs over at the Hobby Lobby. <laughs> let's let's go. go. It's wine o'clock. Then she goes on and tells them that they haven't had sex in 10 years. And the detectives are like, ma'am, what? we just wanted your alibi. Yeah. This is Please. a police station, not the set of Dr. Ruth. <laughs> we don't. Care. She's like, I'm sorry, where was I? I've been on some Vicodin. I have cotton mouth. Like lately, like she is just giving everything. They were like, so okay. And and she's like, also, I've had these cramps that won't go away. They're yeah. like, ma'am, do you know where your husband is? Yeah. That's all we want to know here. Well, they say to her, like, what does your gut tell you? That is, do you think he's alive or dead? And she goes, I just don't know. I don't know. And she got quiet. Old motor mouth Mabel is now silent Sally. Can't got your tongue. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they ask if she knows of anyone who would want to harm him, and she's just sort of fumbling over her answers. 
And that's when the detective noticed that she had some scabs on her legs. And he's like, look, I've been in a lot of domestic abuse situations, and I know what it looks like when someone has dug their nails into someone. Like, it leaves these little crescent moon-shaped scabs, and she had them on her legs, and they looked fresh. Yeah. And they were like, so why did you call him at 2 a.m.? And she's like, you know what? Oh, my gosh. I am the silliest ghost. I think... Sometimes I sleep with my phone and I roll over and I move. You know, I'm just, I'm like a starfish. I move all over. And I think that I must have butt dialed him. I've done it before. And they're like, butt dialed. That's what we're going with today. We're going with the butt dialed excuse. But the narrator says this. There it was. The old, I butt dialed my almost ex-husband in my sleep at 2 a.m. excuse. Girl, Uh (laughs) this narrator. I love this narrator. She is saying everything we are thinking. But truly, I mean, like, couldn't you have done a, like, you know, my pet llama had the runs that night. And I was delirious because I had to cook rice to block up. And the llama is allergic to rice. And, like, butt dialed in your sleep we can do better you are a self-made millionaire and this is what you came (laughs) up with well it's important to note also that she said she must have hit his speed dial right and so important to note for later yes and the detective is like you are lying through your teeth you old buzzard and so after she says all that he goes you know what why don't we just like look at this real fast? Yeah. Let me see your cell phone, phone and I'll just see who's on your speed and we'll dial. we be done and you can get to choir rehearsal exactly. because those high C's aren't going to sing themselves. Yeah, On the Wings of Love is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, in two-part harmony. And so she goes, you know what, funny thing. Oh, my gosh. Um, my llama yeah. ate my phone. Oh, my gosh. So it's back at home somewhere in that llama. Did I tell you? I told you I was a silly goose. Right. I told you about the Vicodin. It's crazy. I don't have my phone because... That's normal. And so the detective, upon hearing that, lets the other detective in the room continue to question her while he excuses himself. This man is smart. Mm -hmm. Went into that parking lot and peered in her Lexus and said, that, my friend, is a cell phone sitting in the console. Plain view. And he had her number because that was the number that they found on caller ID he calls it, and it lights up like Marjorie Taylor Green on January 6th. Yeah. She's very excited. Yep. And they were like, hey, good news. What? Uh, your phone's not with the llama. Your phone's in the car. What? Yay. Good news. Let's go. Let's go have a little skip on out. That way you that way you can, can get you out of here. Let's go get that phone. Oh, you don't want to see my yes, phone. Yes, let's go get the phone because then you can show us how he's in your speed dial uh-huh. and how you, because uh, I know I've done that. Uh, haven't we all speed dial butt dialed our ex and then you can go. Yeah, you know, let me just find my keys. <laughs> um, one, you know, earlier... I had, um, you know, I had vegan Mexican Mm -hmm. food and it's just not sitting well with me. So I'm going to go to the bathroom for a little while. Could you give me like, like 75 minutes? (laughs) Just really quickly. (laughs) So they get the phone and they're like, yeah, pull. Okay, so let's see your speed dial. So there's Brenda. She's she She's makes a good rhubarb pie. Yeah, she does. Doesn't she? There's Chrissy. She's the one who got the solo last year on Uh Study You, right? All right, let's go through. And then there's Bill. Uh Uh-huh. Is he did he win president of the PTA? I can't remember. (laughs) No, Tim. 
There is no... Tim's not even in your speed dial little number thingy. And honey, Larissa looks like she got an enema made of all citrus. It's just (laughs) burning on the inside. She's uncomfortable. So the detectives are like, you know what? We're just going to leave you alone for a second. And we see Larissa on her phone and the cops are like, she is 100% trying to put Tim's number on speed dial. Yeah. And when they come back in, she says, uh, but it came up Tyler and I went to check it and I'm, and then I hit the menu or something like that and I think I just deleted it. Y'all, this investigator, oh my God, literally didn't say a word. He just turned around and walked out. <laughs> She's like, you know what happened? I was playing Snake. Yeah. I am. I'm on level 60. Where are you? Okay. And I think I hit the back button and then I was speed dialing my son and yeah. then I deleted it. Ah, grr, grr, grr. But I, I got to level 61 of Snake. Yeah. So there's that. I mean. She is so motherfucked. And it, she just keeps, but she's treading. She, she keeps is. on treading. And then they finally said, are you involved? She's like, no, hello, I just told you about the snake and the choir and all that. Of course I'm not involved. And so at this point, the cops are like, she is 100% involved, Mm -hmm. but they don't have anything concrete to hold her on, so they let her go. That's when we hit Saturday, July 12th. Tim has been missing for three days. Investigators are now like, well, we got to question both Tim and Larissa's friends and colleagues to get answers. And I will say this, this is fucking genius. Whoever's idea it was, To bring in Larissa's manicurist, Mm -hmm. give them a raise. Because if you want the secrets, go to the hairdressers, go to the manicurist and the massage therapist. They will have all the dirty details because even the most private people will spill their guts in a hair salon. Mm -hmm. They will. It's so true. And so she was like, yeah, I mean, like we always banter and joke and a couple of weeks ago, we were joking about how much easier our lives would be, you know, without our husbands. And then Larissa was like, ha, 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 ha. No, seriously, I feel like I could make that happen and I feel like I could get away with it. And all the women are like, ha, 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 ha. Are we still joking about how silly our husbands are? Yeah. Larissa literally said, I wish Tim were dead. Mm-hmm. And Terry was like, don't, don't, maybe don't joke about that. Yeah. Like that's. Because then if they call weird. me in and question me about something weird. I have to tell them that. Right. But also Larissa had told her, you know I can make it happen. Yeah. Because she reminds Terry of a burglary that happened. Wait for this. Tell him, Yellen. Well, a year before he went missing, a weird burglary happened. Burglaries are usually super weird. Like, they're not, like, dangerous and scary. They're just weird because these burglars were hilarious. Yeah. They left the TV and the electronics and the cash, but what they did take were mixing bowls, wicker baskets, because the thieves were DIYers. Yeah. And they wanted to make some holiday baskets. Yeah. Clearly, she went in and took the shit that she wanted, not in the episode. She also, or whoever took the stuff, also took some notes and evidence for their pending custody trial. What? That was also taken. So clearly, either Larissa did this burglary or paid someone to do this burglary. And the sad part is Tim couldn't prove it was Larissa. Yeah. But he knew. He knew she was behind it. Enter James Fagone, 21 years old. The word among Tim's friends was Larissa had paid somebody to help her steal back her stuff. And it looked like that somebody was a 21-year-old named James Fagone. James was an employee of Larissa Schuster's at 
her biotech company. He would do anything for her. I think he looked up to her as being smart and intelligent and a good business manager, and their relationship became very strong. James was someone that worked for Larissa in her lab, but he also did odd jobs for her, you know, dog walking, babysitting the kids. He also loved mixing bowls, too. <laughs> Real affinity for the for the good mixing bowls. Yeah, and James is only 21. Mm-hmm. He is very young, and I think he probably looked at Larissa and saw how successful she was and was like, I want to be that, too. Mm-hmm. But here's something interesting. A half hour before that 2 a.m. butt dial to Tim, Larissa called James. So now James is in the hot seat and the police bring him in for questioning and the police ask him point blank, hey, are you involved in this? And James is very careful with his words and denies it. And then the cops ask him, so there's no reason why we would find your fingerprints in the house, right? And James is like, he says, no, I don't think so. And then he said, did she hire you to get her stuff back? He said, not really. No. James, do not subscribe to a life of crime. You are bad at it. You are very bad at it. They were throwing these softballs at him, and he couldn't even catch them. Nope. And they were like, uh, okay. So they leave him alone, and he gets right to playing Snake on his phone. That's right. For 20 minutes, this man is playing a game on his phone, just like not a care in the world. But when the investigators come back, James has a change of heart, and he says, you know, um... Reaching level 145 on Snake made me made me reevaluate things. And I want to let you know that I did go to Tim's house and Larissa was with me. Mm-hmm. But he had her mixing bowls. Yeah. So I kind of had to help her out. So James starts singing like Celine Dion in carpool karaoke. Yep. And he's like, let me tell you everything. Yep. We went in through the garage. He did not skip a detail. Nope. He's like, I walked right in and, and she had an old carrot cake. I took a bite of the carrot cake. They're like, get to the part where you steal <laughs> shit and do things wrong, sir. He literally wrote a two-page confession. So now the cops have it in writing. And now they know what type of relationship Larissa and James have. And if Larissa was bold enough to ask James to break into her ex-husband's house, perhaps she told him about Tim or and his whereabouts. Yeah. So they let him go. And then one day, out of the blue, they're just hanging around. And one of Larissa's employees was like, hey, I know some shit. Do you have a minute? Yeah. And Leslie, remember the down bitch that we introduced at the beginning? Well, she's got some information that is going to be really, really helpful. Yeah. So apparently Larissa asked Leslie if she knew anyone who owned a truck with a lift gate so she could move a rotiller, which I had to look that up. I had to look it up, too. Something to break up soil. Yeah. Before you plant a garden. I guess I'd know that if I had a backyard. A lot of gardening people are rolling their eyes at us right now. I'm so sorry. I never even had a lawn growing up. I lived in the mountains. So there you go. (laughs) Okay. You're just a mountain mama. So Leslie's like, nah, sorry. And Larissa's like, you know what? No worries. Hey, could you rent one in your name? Nothing to worry about. I'm just like super busy. Have to polish off four stainless steel mixing bowls. Takes a lot of elbow grease. So if you could take this off my plate, it would be great. So Leslie rents it. And Larissa drives away with it where she is gone for hours. How hard is it to move one rotiller? I don't, I don't know. But in the reenactment... She didn't rent her a truck. She was like driving like a, a big rig. Yeah. That was like a 16 wheeler. She <laughs> she was like, well, it was like a, 
She was like, tell them Large Marge sent That's you. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, that's a really big truck. I feel like that was the truck for all the equipment for the shoot. Probably. They're like, we're not going to rent another truck. Yeah, and they're like, you're not actually going to drive it. We're just going to take the camera and move past the window to make it look like you're driving. And then he's going to run back and do it all over again to make it look like we're moving. Remember that part in Beaches where they're in the fake cars? Yes. Yeah. When Larissa finally brought it back, Leslie checked the mileage on the rental paperwork and noticed Larissa had only driven the truck 17 miles. Larissa lived 20 miles from the lab. And I had even questioned Larissa. I said, is that all the mileage that you put on? And she's, oh, it's not that far. So Nancy Drew over there looks at the paperwork and cross-references it with the odometer on the rental big rig. And she's like, uh, hey, Larissa, you only went 17 miles I know for a fact you live 20 miles from the lab, and you were gone for a really, really long time. So what is happening? And she was like, pipe down, Inspector Twatface. Yeah. Go get, go back to the lab. But she was just like, oh, uh, it's fine. It's cool. It's not that far. It's, it's fine. So Leslie knew something was up. And the next day when Leslie gets to work, a coworker said, hey, have you checked this back room of the lab? It looks like someone was here over the weekend. Things are misplaced. and also." There's a large blue barrel that is missing. Mm -hmm. And that's when Leslie was like, something fucked up is happening here. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah. Also, like a while ago, Larissa asked me to rent a storage unit to put a bunch of stuff that she wanted to hide from Tim. She's like, he is not getting his hands on those fucking mixing bowls. That's right. Not for love or money. I will pay $120 a month for some fucking public storage. It's true. And so Leslie was like, yeah, no problem. And she's like, oh, and put it under your name, Leslie, just for funsies, just to keep it, you know, the same. Anytime you do anything for me, just put it under your name. Let's make that a rule. (laughs) Yep. And so before you can say, welcome to public storage, your first month is free, (laughs) Like, the cops are on their way to that public storage unit. Yeah, they're looking for anyone that they can talk to that's maybe seen or heard anything, but no one had. But one of the officers ends up calling the lead detective on the case and complained of a god-awful smell coming from the area of Larissa's storage unit. And they get into the storage unit, and the smell is so awful, they had to use hazmat masks. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. And guess what they find? Christmas decorations. Wicker baskets. Mixing bowls. Yeah. All things that fit the description of what had been stolen from Tim's house. Yeah. And they're like, look behind the tartan wreaths. Yeah. Yeah. She's a DIY queen, that one. But there was something behind in the corner wrapped in cardboard, and it was not an ornament collection. No. It was the source of the smell. They remove the cardboard, and they find a large blue barrel. And what they find is horrific. I don't know how these people do this. I don't know how they do their job and sleep at night. I I would have nightmares. And what they find in that barrel is human body parts dissolving and hydrochloric acid. And they have to take it back to the lab and conduct a DNA test to identify the remains. I'm not going to go into detail because it is very graphic and it's very gory, but it is, it's horrible. It is really horrible. And Larissa... Bless her. She was exhausted. Yeah. She was like, you know what I need? I need a couple days in the sunshine. I'm going to head to Florida because I can't. I can't. I'm just I'm so tired yeah. from all this Michigas with these questions. I'm butt dialing people. Yeah. Not in the episode. She actually thought that she could not get arrested in Florida. And her friend was like, 
They can go to Florida and arrest you. Why would she ever think that? I have no idea. God, for a multimillionaire, she is stupid. Yeah. Now, the cops are rushing to get an arrest warrant and extradition papers. They also bring Larissa's employee and right-hand man, James Fogone, back in for questioning. Yeah. They're like, hey, remember when you sat in here and you played Snake for a while and you told us everything you knew? Let's skip the Snake part today. And why don't you just actually tell us everything you know? And he was like, yeah, okay. Honey, he cracked like Tom Cruise (laughs) jumping on Oprah Winfrey's sofa on national television. (laughs) Cracked. He was like, I'm a kinder egg. What surprise (laughs) did you get inside? He was like, yeah, she was sick and tired of him and uh, wanted to kill her husband. Can I go now? It is crazy because we hear exactly what happened. So... James went with Larissa to Tim's house. James hid off on the side while Larissa knocked on Tim's front door. So Tim goes to the door with a gun to see if Larissa is setting him up. Now, remember, she'd been threatening him for, I don't even know how long at this point. Yeah, just the fact that Tim felt like he needed a gun to answer the door to talk to the mother of his children tells you the state of mind that we're all in at this moment. Exactly. And so... He looks through the window and he sees that it's Larissa and she is very upset. And he's like, oh, maybe she needs help. So he takes the gun and goes back to the sofa, puts it under the cushion, opens the door. And as soon as he's out the door, James jumps him from behind. Yeah. And James had a stun gun. And honestly, I actually can't even understand all that James is saying. They struggled and Larissa used chloroform to subdue him. Then they drove Tim back to Larissa's and they put him in that big blue barrel together. Now, here's my question. How did none of the neighbors hear that kerfuffle or see that kerfuffle? And the other thing is, is that we don't know what time that happened, right? Mm -mm. So I would be curious, maybe it was in the early morning hours you know what i mean yeah yeah because how could no one hear that yeah larissa dragged out a case of hydrochloric acid bottles she was hiding in her garage and started pouring them one by one into the barrel so that means that while he's in the barrel and she's pouring the acid on him he's either dying as a result of aspiration of the acid fumes or from actual immersion in the acid you can't fathom somebody actually dying like that. It just seems like it's like it would be so painful and so horrible. He was most assuredly alive. Yeah. Fucking terrible way it's, it's to torture. go. It's torture is what it is. Well, it also shows the rage and malice and heartlessness of Larissa. This woman hated Tim and wanted him to suffer, and she did. She made him suffer. Like, why? I mean, you learn a lot about people when they don't get what they want. And she wanted her money, and she wanted her mixing bowls, and she wanted cuss. She wanted all the control. It's like having to give up half of your shit to someone else who didn't earn that shit. I speak from experience. You guys can all put two and two together. I get it. It sucks. It's just stuff. Yeah. It's just money. And the amount of money that you pay for the peace of mind that you need, which is a divorce, it's fine. Right. It's going to come back in some way. Yep. It is not worth it. What is happening? Also, you have two children with this man. Yeah. And so Larissa, after pouring three bottles of this acid into the barrel, she starts to get woozy from the fumes. And so is James. So they have to quickly put the lid over the barrel Then Larissa and James drag the barrel into the garden shed and call it 
a yeah, night. they're like, let's let's call this a day. Let's just go sit and have some canapes and pat ourselves on the back for this rough day we've had. So then in the early hours of the morning, Larissa and James were going to go move the barrel to Larissa's lab. And she opens the barrel. And I don't know what it is that she saw, but she was like, Whatever her desired outcome was, wasn't what she was seeing in front of her. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. But she decided that even after three gallons of hydrochloric acid were used, she still needed to add more. So unclear what that was. Right. But James was like, cool, can you do all that science stuff? And can I go? Because I've got co-ed softball and this stuff is really scary and smelly and I would would like to leave. And he did. He left. And she said, go home and shut up. And that's when Larissa realizes how bad the smell is. Mm -hmm. And she knew it was only going to get worse. So obviously it couldn't stay at the lab. And that's when she reached out to Leslie over the weekend about renting a truck for her. And she used that to move Tim's remains to the storage unit. So now police have the whole story. Yeah. 43-year-old Larissa Schuster got off a plane in St. Louis, Missouri, expecting to see her mom and dad waiting at the gate. Instead, she was greeted by two police detectives who had a surprise for her. Handcuffs and a one-way ticket back to California. She didn't protest. She didn't say, what in the heck is going on here? Why are you arresting me? At the airport, the cops were like, hey, where are you going? You're going to go see your parents? No, you're not. We're just going to scooch on back, make a U-turn, and go back to California. And she's like, okay. She didn't protest. She knew. She went straight to jail. And then they go set forth to go build their case. They have her. They have the whole confession. They still need all the evidence. Yeah. So James's trial was first. And he says, well, this is his defense, Larissa forced me to do these things, and I was afraid to say no. And the jury was like, tell another one, James, yeah. <laughs> you conniving freaking puta. You should have gone to the cops a long time ago if you felt that this was wrong. And James was found guilty of first-degree homicide and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I will say, obviously, killing people is wrong. We know this. But I do feel like some form of manipulation, overpowering, whatever doesn't excuse it. But I would like to say he did not seem like he actually really was fully aware of what was happening. Obviously, back to the core of killing people is wrong. Right. But 100% the mastermind behind all of this was Larissa. I mean, listen, if you are going to have an accomplice and and you're someone like Larissa, who is not stupid. Mm. I mean, she did some really stupid things, but... I think she knew she could trick him, probably. Although, I don't think trick is the right word. Entice. Yeah. Now, Larissa sees the outcome of his trial and is like, yeah, I'm going to be facing some serious shit here. And her trial starts in 2007, which is four years. She's been in jail for four years at this point. And she's ready to fight. And this idiot gets on the stand. Why would you ever get on the stand? To me, it was just a testament to how deeply arrogant she is. And she's like, oh, I got this. I'm going to go through this. And I'm, why would you take the opportunity to possibly incriminate yourself? I don't understand. She was being coy. She was laughing on the stand. She was cracking jokes. She was making eye contact with the jury. Yeah. 
She was like, yeah, uh, you're on trial for murder. This isn't the opening monologue of the Golden Globes. And you are not Tina Fey. And you are certainly not Amy Poehler. What you are is a murderous twat. Yeah. A murderous rumple foreskin <laughs> is what you are. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, did you kill your husband? And she looked right at that jury. She's like, no, I did not. Larissa's defense was simple. She had nothing to do with Tim's murder. She was completely innocent. Instead, she pointed the finger at her right-hand man. It was all James Figoni that, that he had heard her say how Tim was abusing her and stealing from her, and that James decided that he would take care of the problem for her. So now her defense is wild. She blames it all on James, mm -hmm. her accomplice. She says that after James heard my experiences of abuse and theft at the hands of Tim, James decided to handle the issue for her. So now she is defaming a man who cannot speak for himself. And James can't take the stand because he's already been tried and convicted. Yeah. So she is banking on all of that. And she's like, oh, well, James showed up at my front door with a blue barrel and said, look what I did for you. Yeah. I have Tim's body. He was like, yeah, he was just like a little puppy. He was obsessed with me. He wanted to... He wanted to help me. He wanted to impress me. Mm, sorry. She was on the stand for five days. Yep. She was on the stand spouting cool. her nonsense. Yeah. Cool as a cucumber. Cool as a cucumber. And she was laughing and carrying on. And the defense was worried. The, the defense was actually really worried because the jury deliberated for five or six days. And they were like, you know, some of our evidence is circumstantial without... Without James here, you know, it's 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 complicated. Yeah, because they were like, is she stupid for taking the stand or is she brilliant? Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel that way about myself. Sometimes I'm like, you are the smartest person. And then other times I look for my iPhone with my iPhone flashlight. You know what I mean? But that means she was fooling somebody. That means somebody was hanging out not quite sure that she did it. Well, it didn't work in the end. No. They found her guilty of first-degree murder, and they withheld the death penalty. So in the state of California, that's a really, really big deal. There is a moratorium on death penalty right now, but that's a really, really big deal. And I think it was the sheer gruesomeness of the crime that made the death penalty even be on the table. Well, don't worry, because actually one of the detectives explains to us why she didn't get the death penalty. The reason Larissa never got the death penalty is because Satan wasn't ready for her in hell. Drag her. Drag, Drag her. He, he wrote that and he was like, I just have a quick hold on. I'm yep. just going to. Yep. OK, one yep. second. OK, are we still rolling? Are right. we still rolling? OK, great. And then he says it. He was real proud of that. Listen, I'm here for it. Scalped her yeah. by the roots. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and she doesn't get, a, obviously, it goes without saying, she doesn't get the possibility of parole. But not in the episode. Is Ooh! <laughs> How cute are you? Everyone gather around. Joey has side research. Tell me, baby. You know, I was looking for interviews of her. Yeah. I mean, she's still trying to get parole she is she just applied for clemency in the end of 2021 which is that is certifiable yeah, she applied straight to gavin newsom for clemency wow yeah. well her daughter kirsten got up and made a victim's impact statement where she was like 
mom, you are not my mom. Mm -hmm. You are trash. You stole my father from me. You are dead to me. You are an embarrassment to this family. I hope that what you did to dad haunts you in your dreams every single day night. She still thinks she's going to get out of prison. She says that she's only there for a short stay. She's not going to be in prison. However, a couple of things that I found really interesting that I found in my research was that blue barrel wasn't like at the lab. She ordered that blue barrel. (gasps) Yeah, she ordered that blue barrel as well as all that hydrochloric acid and sulfuric acid and the chloroform. She ordered that all to the lab in April of 2003. She knew what she was doing. Yeah, so this had been a plan. And then she told anyone who asked that the barrel was for yard clippings. What are you you're, you're gardening out outside of the yard? However, she on many occasions asked people if they thought a body could fit in there. And everyone just thought, oh, Larissa, she's so silly. Why is she asking that? And it was also stated she did not hide her disdain for Tim at all. She would rattle her mouth off to anyone who would listen about how much she hated him, wanted him dead, wanted him not around. This was a shock to no one. If you want a secret kept, you do not go find Larissa Schuster. She will she will air all of your secrets because she sure enough aired all of hers. There was no end of people that were willing to go and be like, no, she did also oddly talk about killing her husband all the time. You know what's crazy is that people, how many times have we said this? If you pay attention, yep. people give themselves away. Do you think I want to take something? Do you think I want to hurt you? Do you think I want to steal from you? I would never do that. Yeah. I never mentioned any of those things. Exactly. What are you talking about? Yeah. They give themselves away constantly if you pay attention. And obviously, Larissa was no exception. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. Not the murder part. I understand being so dissatisfied and really disliking someone to their core. Who knows what actually happened? And that sort of, you know, feeling like maybe he wasn't playing, whatever that is. That anger can manifest and change, and it it probably drove her crazy. I mean, like, let's ask Betty Broderick. I have no idea. I'm not defending her by any means. She's a horrible, horrible, vicious person. Just get a divorce. Just get a divorce. A divorce? You're already broken up. A divorce is just paper. Yeah. You've already broken up. You seems like you all broke up 10 years ago the last time you had sex because you said you didn't have sex for 10 years. Yeah. It's just a piece of paper, yeah. and it's just money, and it's just fucking stuff. Yeah. Anyway, she, yeah, look She's her She's not up. getting out on clemency. No, 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 no. But she she really does think she is. There's a lot of stuff of her on YouTube. It's a wild, wild ride. Say something funny. You think that man at the meatball shop had a third date with that woman after he asked Alan that question? If it was good. Christopher last week singing our theme song. You gotta go back and just listen for Christopher, you all. It was a blast. Oh man, all right, Deadly Wives. I like this show. I know, but this is our last episode. This is our last episode, so we're gonna bring you a new show for June. By the time you hear this, we will probably have decided what that is, so I hope it's a great show. I think we have to decide by this week, my friend. Okay, great. Anyway, (laughs) thank you for listening. Please connect with us on social media. We love hearing from you. Tell them about the social media. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at I Think Not Pod. You can also find Ellen on Instagram and all the socials at Ellen Mark. 
Marsh, Ellen with a Y, and you can find me at It's Joey Taranto. And we love connecting with you. Join the Facebook group. That's where we put all of our announcements and all of our silly stuff. It is the I Think Not Pod Discussion Group. And come see us on tour! That's right. We will be in New Orleans. We will be in St. Louis, Pittsburgh. Where else? Other places. San Francisco. All kinds of places. Phoenix. Go to ithinknotpod.com and get your tickets if there are any left. We want to squeeze your face. We want to laugh with you. We love our show. And we're only going to do it a couple more times because we'll have a new show for Obsessed Fest. We love you all. And I love you, Yellow Mark. Love you, Joey. Love you too, baby. Love you down, bitches. Love y'all. Bye. They had a 35,000 square foot home, a very large retirement. 3,500. What did I say? 35,000. Yeah, sorry. They had, they shared a 30. They shared Texas. a football field. They shared Texas. <laughs> um, they shared a 35,000 square foot home. No, baby, you what, just sorry. said it again. Other times I look for my iPhone with my iPhone flashlight. You know what I mean? Um, but <laughs> have you ever done that? All the fucking time. Where are my keys? Yeah. In my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Did you take my phone, Lola? I'm going to use this light to find it. Might be under the bed. Wait. There's this drag queen named Detox from Drag Race, and Bianca Del Rio told me the story about how they were out one night, and Detox was freaking out because she was, I can't find my purse. Someone stole my purse. She had the whole bar tearing that place up looking for she it. She co-checked it. Until her friend said, her friend who had been outside and didn't know what was happening comes back in and goes, bitch, you didn't bring a purse. And she was like, right. Yes. Got oh, it. Oh, silly me. <laughs> Kamikaze shots for everyone. <laughs> Kamikaze. Oh. Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com. The golden age of travel is back in the Palm Beaches. As America's first resort destination, the Palm Beaches are the gentler side of Florida, waiting just for you. From Jupiter to Boca Raton, sun-kissed sands embrace the warm Gulf Stream waters. Our vibrant blend of people, cultures, and coastal towns welcome everyone. So we invite you to join us. Experience the original, the one, the only, the Palm Beaches. Plan your trip at thepalmbeaches.com.